All who are able are invited to stand for the reading of the gospel lesson. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you. Do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbors and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Either or, it's a binary choice. Yes or no, in or out, on or off. There's not a lot of wiggle room. Remember being down in, <clears throat> in, in, in Mexico one time, uh, when my grandfather's neighbor, they, he came to the house with a machete in his hand. And he was cursing my grandfather. I don't remember the source of the guy's irritation. Maybe one of, one of the dogs killed one of this guy's chickens or pigs or something. Or knowing this guy, maybe one of my grandfather's dogs didn't bow appropriately in the presence of one of his pigs or chickens. I don't know. I don't really remember, it's just that he was vexed enough to swing a machete around my grandfather. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm not um, a violent man, but you don't get to threaten my family with machete without me getting my econo-sized box of dander up. So I said, Grandpa, you want me to take care of this guy? What I was going to do uh, to a man flailing away with a machete wasn't immediately clear to me, but I was, as we used to say in the mountains, fixing to find out. My grandfather, a Marine, and not necessarily opposed to violence himself, gave me one of those impatient grandfather side-eyes that said, why don't you let me handle this, Okay. Now, I figured that one of two things would happen, and that was either my grandfather would beat this man senseless, 
or he'd cave in just to keep the peace. Didn't feel like there was a whole lot of other options. Didn't occur to me that there were many other options. But since, I guess, those would have included some kind of bodily legal harm to, be, to befall my grandfather and me, I didn't think too much about him. But it didn't turn out that way. My grandfather raised his hands and he said to the man, he said, Senor, do you really want to kill me? And the neighbor shook his head. Of course, I didn't take care of the matter of his chicken or his pig or whatever it was. And so my grandpa said, well, if killing me is not at the top of your to-do list, perhaps maybe we can figure out some way to fix this together. I'd rather have you as my neighbor than as my enemy. I'm willing to buy you a new chicken to save us both a lot of heartache because if you kill me, you're going to have a lot bigger problems than the dead chicken. And me? Well, I won't have any problems anymore, but the children that I'm trying to raise... They're going to they're gonna have some real trouble ahead. The angry neighbor put the machete down, and my grandpa put his arm around the guy on his back and walked him back to his house. This or that. As I said, no other option really occurred to me. Thankfully, my grandfather uh, had already thought it through or was quick enough on his feet to think it through, and he found one. Now, generally, I think that's how we've been taught to read Jesus' odd lesson from our gospel today. You can be strong and violent, or weak and passive. It's your choice. And because we know that Jesus couldn't possibly mean that we should be passive, could never choose the negative side of the binary, commentators have spilled a lot of ink trying to get Jesus to say something that wasn't what he said. Well, <laughs> you know, they say Jesus didn't literally mean turn the other cheek. He meant, you know, um, be nice. Well, pretty nice, anyway, right? But Jesus didn't mean, as one commentator suggested, for us to let someone hit us twice without trying to defend ourselves against bodily harm. Only a nut teaches something like that. You see how it works, right? You can be violent and strong, or you can be nonviolent and a nut. Even some of God's smartest people will tell you that in reality, there's not really even a choice at all. You, you gotta fight back. But what if the world isn't made up entirely of either ors? split right down the middle, drawing a line between good and evil, between weak, uh, the strong and the weak, or the, the, the violent and the nonviolent. I mean, what if there's another way? What, what, what if Jesus is pointing to the radical nature of God's unfolding reign and setting down some ground rules for those people who want to participate in it? In today's gospel, Jesus does something really radical. He talks about violence and retaliation that he doesn't insist that his followers become ancient Judean versions of Batman, confronting evil and beating it down, should probably surprise no one who knows much about him. Because unlike other messiahs, he's not a leader for whom retribution is a primary motivation. He's not out to put people in their place, right? On the other hand, Jesus 
doesn't insist that his followers become doormats to anyone with a surly attitude and the power to enforce it. Unlike popular conceptions of Jesus' ethics, he isn't laying the groundwork for what Nietzsche calls uh, the enslaved uh, mortality or morality, which is, according to Nietzsche, the, the denial of true goodness and nobility by making a virtue of necessity. He says that Jesus makes a virtue out of weakness and humility instead of the excellent, stronger, noble things. Nietzsche complains that because of Jesus, Christians have ruined morality by convincing everyone that weakness is a good thing. Because of Jesus and his focus on self-sacrifice, Nietzsche says, servility, cowardice, and impotence have replaced power, courage, and strength as the virtues toward which we should be striving. Rather than Batman, Jesus gives us Dilbert. Now, in our passage for this morning, Jesus tells his followers to do something different, something odd, something so outrageous that it suggests nothing short of revolution. He breaks the binary. He takes it out of either or. Instead of saying, you only got two choices, either fight or roll over and die, Jesus gives us a new way to respond to those who would hurt and humiliate us. As David Lowe says, Jesus isn't trying to modify the rules of the world in which the strong prevail. I mean, he's, he's not contrary to prosperity preachers inviting you to figure out how to make the most out of this world or have your best life now. And he's not even inviting you to find a safe port amid the storms of this world. Rather, he's starting a revolution by calling the rules of this world into question. And at the very same time, redeeming this world that he loves and that will in due time put him to death. But how does he do this? How does he do this? Well, he starts out with the lex talionis, the law of retribution. You know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Punishment should fit the crime. I mean, it's a pretty standard feature of ancient law. One of its primary aims was to prevent the escalation of violence in blood feuds. Your retaliation is only supposed to mirror the violation done to you. You don't get an extra pound of flesh. It's about proportionality, right? But Jesus says, look, as satisfying as an eye for an eye is, I want you to do something completely different, something bananas. If somebody strikes you on the right cheek, I don't want you to retaliate by hitting that person back on the cheek. I mean, of course, that would be normal, acceptable, eye for an eye kind of thing to do. But I don't want you to start any fights. I don't necessarily want you to have to walk away from them either, though. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to upset the current power arrangements, which tell you that your only options are either hitting back or walking away. I want you to respond by offering up your left cheek. Wait, what? I mean, isn't that just sort of passive caving in? Well, if you're right-handed and you hit somebody standing opposite you on the right cheek, you have to do it backhanded. 
In the ancient Near East, a backhanded blow wasn't intended to offer physical harm. Much like today, it was a blow of contempt, an insult. The way a master struck an enslaved person or a parent struck a child, it was a display of power. Being provoked by someone who's wanting to show they have power over you, to refuse either to fight or surrender, to offer up the other cheek offers a third way between violence and capitulation. It was a nonviolent choice that exposed a system designed to control and humiliate. I don't have to fight. I don't have to run away. I can retain my dignity on God's terms and not on yours. The same thing happens with the next example Jesus gives. Anybody wants to sue you, take your coat, well, give them your cloak as well. What's going on here? Well, Deuteronomy 24, 10 through 13, tells us about a system in which a poor person would borrow money, offering a coat as collateral for the loan. But the lender is supposed to bring the garment back in the evening so that the person who is without won't have to sleep in the cold. It's an act designed to preserve the dignity and the well-being of those who literally have nothing to give but the shirt on their backs. So in Jesus' hands, we have the lender taking advantage of the poor by demanding payment with the threat of keeping the coat. And Jesus says, don't attack the unjust lender, but don't just cave in either. Give your, your coat, then take off your only other garment, your cloak, hand that over to. In other words, show the world what's going on. Reveal a humiliating system that keeps you under the thumb of the powerful. Stand there naked for everybody to see. You can respond to the one shaming you by revealing just how shameful the whole system is. With a few people holding all the clothes and everybody else walking around naked. Go the extra mile. Same thing. The Roman Empire soldiers had the right to compel a subject to carry the soldier's pack for a mile. You know, you've probably heard this before. Soldiers were not, however, allowed to mistreat people, or they could themselves be punished. By going a second mile, you take back the initiative. They're not supposed to get more than a mile out of you. But in doing so, you reveal the abuse of power and, and you place the soldier on the defensive for fear of being punished as an abuser. Give to everybody who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow money from you. See, in a culture in which you lend money to those who can repay you as a way of accruing honor to yourself, Jesus offers, as, as, as Warren Carter points out, an alternative system without exploitation, reciprocity, self-aggrandizement. Give to anyone who begs. Easy. That's easy, right? The system already allows for that. Giving to those who beg from you is a, kind of a way of showing charity. It's about giving people what you think they want or what you think they need. But that's not enough. Jesus adds a revolutionary new wrinkle do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. 
Here's a way of subverting a system built on maintaining these power arrangements. By refusing to keep score, by rejecting the notion that some are deserving and others are merely dead weight, it shows everybody. Everybody has a place at God's table. It's not about giving people what you think they deserve. It's always about offering what God thinks people deserve. You see what's going on here, right? Jesus calls his followers to play by a different set of rules. Not, not one that surrenders, but one that requires great imagination and courage to shine a bright light on a system that thinks violence and resignation are the only possible options to subvert an arrangement that only understands domination and submission. To, to, to challenge the human habit of thinking only in either or. Oh, come on. Just be realistic, right? I mean, you can't oppose the powers of this world without exerting a little power yourself. I mean, everybody knows that. How can privileged people make a difference in a world where police officers uh, repeatedly find themselves on trial for their treatment of black people. I mean, seriously, what, what, what would that even look like in our world today? I mean, only a nut teaches something like that, right? that you can do something. Really? This is a great, great story. Um, I've told it before, but, 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 but it's just so perfect. The Huffington Post, a few a few years back, had this headline, and it read, 84-year-old nun sentenced to nearly three years in prison for nuclear plant break-in. That's a headline right there, right? So here's what happened. Sister Megan Rice and two other peace activists broke into a nuclear weapons complex. And over the course of two hours, they defaced a bunker holding weapons-grade uranium. The demonstration was intended to expose the security problems in the nuclear weapons industry. Mission accomplished. In explaining her actions, Sister Megan Rice told the judge, this is for the next generation. And it is for these people that we're willing to give our lives. In her closing statement, Rice asked the judge to sentence her to life in prison. even though sentencing guidelines called for about six years. And she said, please, have no leniency with me. To remain in prison for the rest of my life would be the greatest gift you could give me. You see what she's doing, right? She's neither resisting the evil done to her nor caving in and doing nothing. She's subverting a system that would throw little old nuns in jail to make an example of them to everybody else. The message is clear. Stay in your place. Keep your head down. Mind your own business. But Sister Megan Rice, she follows Jesus. She says to the powers that be, here's my left cheek. Strike that one too. Here's my coat. Here's my cloak. You want me to do three years? I'll do six. I'll do twice that. I'll do ten. 20. Heck, I'll give you the rest of my life 
just so everyone will know how ridiculous this system is. Just so everyone will see how you keep your jobs by pushing around little old nuns. But this shouldn't surprise us. Sister Megan Rice learned this straight from Jesus. She understands that Jesus knows how to end a fight. If you got the courage to go poking around at the foot of the cross, I'm going to bet you there's an 84-year-old nun that you bump into there. She knows. If you're starting a revolution, you don't have to follow the same rules designed to keep power in the hands of and, the, and for the benefit of those convinced that the world was made for them. You don't have to live in fear, the kind of fear necessary to make a world where some have and some do not, where some get justice and some silently cry themselves to sleep at night, certain that justice is a word used to protect the powerful by punishing the weak. And you don't have to choose between violence and passivity. If you're starting a revolution, if you're committed to following the Jesus whom the powerful killed to make a point, you got choices. And frankly, who knows what might happen if we set a little Jesus loose on the world? Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate the podcast on iTunes, retweet the link, or just tell your friends. Godspeed until next time on the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast.